Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them. It's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 46, Workplace Bullying, How to Deal with It. Today is December the 31st, 2019. And uh, I don't know why I waited so late to do this, but there are people outside shooting off some fireworks. So if you hear some popping in the background, that's what that is. So for 2019, I didn't really publish that much. In fact, I started in January and I didn't post another podcast until the previous one when I was interviewing my student uh, about suicidal loved ones. And so what happened between that gap of time? Now, this is relevant to the topic at hand. I like to tell this story. At the end of the year, when my students go into their final exam, their final exam is the last 10 points of their grade. So if they have a 73, let's say they need to make, they want to make that 80 to get a B, they have to make a 70 on the exam. How do I know? Because that's seven points, seven plus 73. So I had a student who had a 77 which means she needed to make a 30 and that's three points. You know, if you make a 50, that's five. That's pretty simple math. And she said, can I pass this class? I said, if you make a 30 on the final exam, even if you make a 25, because that's 2.5 and that 0.5 rounds up. So you can bomb this exam and still get a B out of this class. Isn't that great? And she said, well, I I think I, I won't take it. When we had the exam, she was standing outside waiting for a friend. And then I had another student who had a 78. So that person only needed to make a 20 or a 15 to get that two points or that 1.5. And yet they didn't take it because the even though success was all but guaranteed, you can guess randomly and probably still would have gotten those three points. Especially the one who only need to make a 15. I mean, there are 50 questions. The math works in your favor. So rather than take the exam, They decided not to because the fear of not making even that 25 or those 30 points were so great that they decided not to do it. Even though success was all but guaranteed. You're just three points away. And I say that not to pick on my students. Yeah, because I know some of you all listening. No, I'm not picking on you. I went through the same thing. When I first started this podcast, I did it with the intention of, you know, maybe I'll have a couple of listeners. Maybe I'll just do a few episodes and maybe a 10 episode series. But in the short period of time, I got really popular because I started this in 2017. And when I started seeing those numbers go up and especially the previous episode with my student and how his story just touched people and you all responded. It's like, it's like, oh, thank you for staying with your wife. Yeah, And I agree. He's pretty strong. But it kind of scared me. I was like, oh my gosh, people are starting to listen to me now. What, oh, you know, started biting my nails. That's the most honest answer I can give for waiting that long not to, not to po- uh, post any episodes. And I, I guess I could dress it up, but it'd be, you know, bull jive. That's what happened. I got scared of my own success. Got Even though success is guaranteed, I looked at that and kind of pulled away. So for those students, those of you listening, because I know you're listening and you say, Dr. Williams, you don't understand this. Trust me, I understand a lot better than you think I do. (laughs) So anyway, with that out of the way, this is the last podcast of 2019. And I want to talk about workplace bullying. And I did say that all this does tie in to the subject at hand. Somewhere in early of 2019, I encountered another round of... uh, 
I, I encountered this really intense situation. It kind of, it kind of floored me. I'm not surprised that it happened. I'm more surprised at how it happened and what it amounted to was some, some people actually threatening me. And they said, we're going to write you up. And my response was, by all means, please write me up because I can't wait to read what you have to write. And you say, that's gutsy. It is. And I put everything on the line in that moment because I refuse to be put in that position again, where I have to defend myself for something I'm not guilty of. I'm like, if you think I'm so wrong, tell me what you think I, tell me what I did wrong. Don't try to threaten me. Don't threaten me with a lawsuit because they did that too. Well, we can sue you. I said, okay, then by all means, please. I can't, because I can't wait to see what the charges are because I knew I was in the right. Uh, I, I had something in writing and, and I don't want to say more than that. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But it was kind of a very intense situation. It was a bullying tactic straight up. And so when you encounter that, how do you deal with that? Let me just say this. There is no size fits all solution here. It really depends on your circumstances. If you are, say, a person who's the sole breadwinner of your family and you have dependents, then you might have dealt with that situation a lot differently than I did. When someone asked me about a a toxic work environment she was in and they didn't have an HR department, it was a small startup. And these small startups are notorious for toxic situations. She said, well, how do I deal with it emotionally? I actually dedicated an entire episode to this. It's detaching, not so much from the circumstances at hand, but from the outcome. The reason why I was able to basically talk back is because I was pretty much detached myself from the outcome. Now, was I angry? Oh yes, I was furious. I'm not going to sit up here and say, ah, yes, everybody, yeah, I, I achieved this level of mental clarity where nothing bothers me. Oh, oh, come on. I think you all wouldn't believe me anyway if I told you that. But yeah, I was angry. I actually contacted an attorney myself, but here's the key. I let the anger play out. I didn't try to hide it. I didn't lie to myself and say, oh, everything's fine. No, it's not fine. I'm the first one to say it's okay to feel that. Let yourself feel that anger. Let yourself be angry. Because you are not your thoughts. Even though some things crossed my mind, (laughs) I didn't act on them. All right. I'm more than my thoughts. Sure. That thought went through my head, but I I just let it go. Observe it. It's it's like meditation that you have these thoughts. I didn't judge myself for it. I said, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person for thinking this. No, I'm a human being. So when you encounter that, don't beat yourself up over it. And I know that's cliche and you know how much I hate cliches, but it's true. That's what a cliche is. It's a truth. When you encounter this type of bullying, my advice would be don't try to pretend it doesn't bother you because all you're doing is just balling it up. Bullying for me falls into two categories, overt and passive or passive aggressive. Overt is straight up. This person's belittling, belittling you. They might threaten you or they're constant. They're they're constantly criticizing you, especially in front of other coworkers, or maybe even your boss. And this is for workplace, not entrepreneurs. Okay. If you're an entrepreneur, you know, if you're dealing with a client, that's probably a different situation, but in the workplace, if you're dealing with someone who's threatening you, this, this podcast is not for you. That's a whole nother level. You need some kind of intervention on that part. Same thing if it's sexual harassment that, that requires, that may require some legal action, but the passive aggressive type. Now I dealt with both. Because these people flat out just, these people flat out threatening. It was a strong arming tactic, but the passive aggressive approach, 
these are the people who have a smear campaign. You know, they talk behind your back and they kind of turn people against you. Another thing they do is probably give you a task and they leave out important details. So of course, when you follow through, you don't have all the information and it makes you look like a fool. That That's not a good situation to be in. I experienced that not recently, but back when I was in graduate school, the exclusion. So people are invited to a meeting to discuss things, but somehow you're left out. But at the same time, you're expected to somehow know what happened, even though you weren't actively invited. Uh, Gaslighting. I I could go on and on and on, but it's something to belittle you, regardless of what direction it's coming from or how they're doing it. It's to bring you down. So regardless of how it's coming at you, you have to deal with it. Couple of, a couple of ways. Now I'm going to put my, I'm going to talk from two different perspectives. Cause like I said, the way you approach this really depends on your situation. As a professor, I deal with this a little differently than I would have dealt back when I was a cashier at a, at a health food store. Now let's say in that health food store. Now I'm not talking about whole foods. I'm talking about this mom and pop store, even though whole foods was up the street. My options are more limited in that situation than say being a college professor when I have a little bit more leeway to speak my mind. Okay. So that's why I say, and then of course I don't have dependents. I'm not having, I don't have people who are actively depending on me for income. So of course I can be a bit more assertive. Should I lose that income? I can bounce back another way. When you're dealing with these people, regardless of what the situation is, the most important thing is to keep your health. In my early twenties, when I first started dealing with this back then, I was maybe 135 pounds. I was healthy. My blood sugar, my blood pressure, everything was great. I can suck up a bag of Oreos and lose five pounds. My my metabolism was kicking, but at 40, 100 pounds heavier, high blood pressure, which topped out at 200 over 100. I got it down. My blood sugar, before I've said that my blood sugar topped out at four uh, 400s, but I, I had a relapse and my blood sugar actually spiked up to 511. I mean, that's like diabetic coma territory. They basically, they basically call an ambulance at that point, but I managed to get it back down. If I ever let myself go the way I did before, because I didn't deal with things properly, You might say, well, there's nowhere to go, but down. No, for me, there's nowhere to go, but death. I don't have the luxury of bouncing back because I'm pretty much right at the edge already. So I can't do that. It's not in my best interest to do that. I need to deal with that. I wish I could have dealt with it back then, but you know, that what's, what's done is done. I can't undo that, but I can turn things around at this point. And again, in my forties, I can't bounce back the way I did in my twenties. I used to kick footballs when I was in high school. And someone suggested, Hey, Shayla, you want to try to kick a football? I said, I might pull something. I can't kick a football like that anymore. How many field goal kickers do you see that in their forties? Anyway, protect yourself, be healthy. That's important. Do not let yourself go. And so what can you do? Uh, part of that is getting control. This is important. If you don't take anything else from this This is take this away, get control over the things you can control back in my situation. I can't control these people. I can't control what they say about me, but I can control how I respond. Like I said, I was angry. Now I didn't act on that anger, but I let myself feel it. I can control that. I didn't try to suppress it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. No, it's not okay. I didn't appreciate being threatened. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that at all. I've kind of gotten past it for the most part, but you know, I am human that sometimes I think about it as like, Oh, that, that situation happened. 
But what did I do? I started writing grants. Now I've been writing grants for seven years and I've had seven years of rejection. People telling me, we regret to inform you that your grant was a sucker for funding, blah, blah, blah. And then I would get the evaluation. Usually you have three people who evaluate. And for some grants, you have to have at least a 90. I was getting 45s and 50s. Again, if you're my students and you're listening to me, when you all bomb your exam, trust me, I understand, I understand that feeling a lot better than you think I do. I would also get these evaluation notes and some of these people were relentless. I mean, they tore into it and it didn't feel good but I still pushed through it. But over time, I wrote a $5,000 grant, a $10,000 grant, an $8,000 grant. And then there was one that was a million, but it wasn't my grant. I was like, maybe I was only a part of it. And I had a very small part to play in that one. But there was one that I wrote. It was my first six figure grant. And I was so happy. And one of my colleagues came up to me and said, Dr. Williams, are you excited? You don't seem like you're excited. I said, you know what? I'm more relieved than I am excited. Because this is, I've been trying to do this for years and I finally got it. And it means things are going to change. I can be more confident when I advocate for myself. Like I said, I don't want to teach this class. Well, that class got dropped. I don't have to teach that class anymore because I need to focus on this grant. Now that I went through all this rigmarole to get that money, now I have to follow through because it's a federal grant. And you know, you, you can't mess with the federal grant. They will come after you. But I said before, I worked as a cashier at a health food store. What if I were in that situation dealing with bullying and I didn't have the luxury of writing grants? What, what, what would I have done in that situation? Try to find another job. But let's say the, I didn't have that option and there were no other jobs and this was it. And I'm dealing with all these people around me. How do I deal with that? And I don't have the grants. Okay. I would start small. The first thing I said was get control over you can't of what you can control. The second thing is create a parachute for yourself. In my role as a professor, that parachute is grant writing. Because even if I got separated from the university for whatever reason, I can take those grant writing skills elsewhere. One of the hospitals is looking for a grant writer. Like, well, why don't you take that? I said, no, (laughs) grant writing is a full-time job in and of itself. I can't do that and teach. But if I had to leave my job, I can take those skills elsewhere. But again, as a cashier, what would I do? Okay. I, now, since this was a mom and pop store, and, I, and as far as I know, I, st- I guess they're still open. I don't know. I don't know if that Whole Foods put them out of business. It's been years since I visited that place. I would ask to build them a website so I can learn some web design and maybe make, write some articles for them. Now, I'm not doing that. Understand. Understand my, my mentality here. This isn't for them so much as it is for myself. I'm trying to build a portfolio. My students hear me. You know how much I stress this. You need to have a portfolio, whether it's a professional portfolio or a personal portfolio. So I'm basically in that situation, building a professional portfolio. I can write some articles. I would learn video, learn something that you can take elsewhere. Even if you don't get another job at it, at the very least, can you do this freelancing? Before I go on, I forgot to mention this. How badly do you want it? At the beginning of every semester, I allow my students to make an A out of my class free and clear. That's only for the non-major class, not for my biology majors. The non-majors, the art majors, music majors, political science majors who have to take biology, intro to biology. And I say, I understand biology is not your thing. I understand that you probably don't want to take this class. You don't see the point. I get that. 
So if anything is going to stop you from achieving your goals at this university, it shouldn't be biology. You have to memorize the periodic table of elements, all 118 of them, because at the current time, there are 118. Hydrogen is the first one, and anoctium is the 118th one. If you, you have to memorize the name of the element, abbreviation, and the atomic number. I'm only going to give you two weeks to do this. That's not a lot of time. And I'm going to grill you for two minutes. If you get three answers wrong, it's three strikes, you're out. That's it. That means you have to take, you have to sit through this class the rest of the semester. So if I say, what is the abbreviation of element number 76? And you say osmium, that is element number 76, but that's not what I asked you. I said the abbreviation, it's OS, that's strike one. Now, should you succeed? I'll give you an A out of the class, provided that you still have to come to class. You come to class, sign the roll, you can stay and you can leave, that's your choice. And should you decide not to come to class, it's going to affect your attendance grade. And let's say if we had a test that day, you didn't show up, that's a zero. And that's all you have to do. Come to class, make a name. So this past term for the fall 2019, I actually had three students from the same class. That's, I've never had that before. Generally speaking, maybe one, maybe two students tops will actually complete the assignment. And when these three students completed the assignment, they said, Dr. Williams, the other students were telling us not to do this. They, they were discouraging us. They were saying, oh, why are you doing this? This is stupid. We might as well just sit through the class. I'm like, look, it's hard. Of course it's hard. Why do you think I'm giving you an A? <laughs> because if you do this, I don't even know the names of all 118 elements. And I'm pretty sure there's some chemistry professors who don't know all 118 elements in order and be able to say their atomic numbers from memory. I don't think too many professors out there can do that. That deserves a name. But they said it's too hard. Stop. Just let's just, just sit through this class. I said, as hard as you think this is sitting through the class that you don't like, you can't stand biology. And believe me, I'm going to go into some de uh, detail that you as an art major could care less about. That's harder because this class is 16 weeks. So I say that to say this, as difficult as uh, these things that I'm talking about, creating a parachute, getting control. Yes, it's hard. But to me, it's more difficult to deal with these people at work. I don't want to be at the mercy of people who threaten me legally, who threaten me for whatever reason, for something that I was doing right. I can see if, it, if I did something wrong, like I didn't do, like uh, I stopped coming to class or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But no, I was, I was doing my job. And if people are going to come down on you for that, do you have an option? If you don't, you have to work at it. Like I said, for my grant writing, it took me seven years to get to that point. And being a cashier at a grocery, at a, a grocery store, yes, it's, I'm, I probably have a longer path ahead of me. But I tell my students, you know what's more important than grades? Being resourceful. Do you, all, all of you listening to me right now, do you care what my GPA is or what, I, what it was when I was in graduate school? Do you care? Of course not. What you care about is advice that can apply to you, something that can help you to you, uh, to you. That's more important. So how badly do you want to get out of your situation? Now I've had some readers, I've, I've had some listeners send in and say, Hey, Dr. Williams, I got another job within, you know, X number of weeks or, or months. And it's so much better. And I get higher pay. I had a friend of mine who worked at old Navy. She hated it. She hated that job. She, she was a manager. Now she has some great people skills. I'll give her that. So I said, look, that's a skill in and of itself. 
It doesn't have to be a hard skill like writing or something like that. Having those people skills, having those soft skills. And she, and, and when she got a job elsewhere, she said, you know, they call me at these random times. I said, that's a good sign because they're calling you. What they're doing is they just want to see how you act at certain time periods. You know, are you still going to be pleasant? And so she got the job and she, she makes more than I do, <laughs> but then that's retail. I wouldn't want to go near that. But again, she had, she has the personality for it. I don't, I'd probably be fired day one. So that's the skill. Are you willing to take that chance? If entrepreneurship is not in the cards, can you try something else? Are you willing to face rejection? Are you willing to start from scratch? Being a cashier, maybe I would start with a website. Maybe I would start writing. Well, what's that going to do? Well, in the, in the short term, maybe nothing. Who knows? But at least I would make that effort to try to learn something I can take with me either to somewhere else, maybe better, where maybe people can appreciate you more. Now, I'm not counting on that. I can go to another university and I would say, hey, I got it. I got this grant. You see this half million dollar grant that I wrote? I'm a grant writer. Yeah. Or <laughs> I could get it. If I were a cashier and I got another job at a store, what could I bring to that store? If it's a mom and pop store, I could say, Hey, I've got some websites. I can do some web work for you. So you're getting, uh, you're getting me as a cashier. And then you're getting this, this, uh, web design that you might not have to pay for. Now in the beginning, you might have to go pro bono, right? And you might not be able to charge, or maybe you will maybe speaking. I know I, I talk a little fast. I'm aware of that. And believe me, I've slowed it down so much over the years. But speaking is another thing I'm focusing on. So whatever it is, focus on that one thing that you can take. Gerald R. Ford said, if I had to go back to school and if I had to focus on two things, I would focus on speaking before people and writing. Those are very powerful. But like I said, with my friend, she didn't have those hard skills. She doesn't know how to, how to program it, uh, program a web, web page, but she has the people skills. What about that? What about developing that? What about conflict resolution? Goodness knows we need it, especially if you're talking about workplace bullying. So then have an escape plan. One, one reader emailed me and said that she was dealing with the coworker. I mean, this was just a person that seemed incompetent and you wonder how in the world does this person have a job? How did you even get this job? And how has no one fired you yet? What if you have that person and that person is just antagonistic. And she said, I, I want to file a complaint. And my response is, if you do that, are you prepared to stand alone? Because it sounds to me, this person has been there a lot longer than you have. And the people around them, they probably have learned to just keep their head down and ignore it. That's a terrible situation to be in because it's demoralizing. But, and I said, can you move up or can you move out? That when I say up, I mean, can you advance, climb the ladder? Or can you move out? And I don't mean leaving the job per se. I mean, going to another department. I had a coworker and his job was to handle the lab equipment, but then his superior started putting upon him and started giving him teaching class, started giving him classes that wasn't part of his job. So he stayed there for the year, but as soon as the, as soon as the school year was up, he left and he found another job. Why? Because he had such a unique skill set. when he left, it hurt because he ran the lab equipment. Now we had to get somebody else, but that per we have to start from scratch with that person. So think about this. Keep this one in mind. 
Can you put yourself in such a position that if you left, it would hurt that they said, man, I wish I hadn't put upon this person. And let's say you're working at a place again, being going back to the cashier at the health food store. Would it have been possible for me to work my way up to manager? I would have had to take some classes. I probably would have had to get a certificate. I mean, certification. I don't know how that works to be honest, but something that can improve my skill set. That's the thing, something to make you valuable. And I know I spent more time talking about making yourself valuable than I did the actual workplace bullying. And that was the point. The reason why I focus so much on the making yourself valuable, because that's what gives you options. I can sit up here and tell you, well, you go to Mr. X and you tell him so-and-so look, no, no, I wouldn't tell you to do that. Okay. Because that might solve a short-term problem but you might be in a position where you really can't talk back like that. How is it going to affect you in the long term? That's what I'm about. Long term thinking. Keep your eye on the prize. I know it is demoralizing when, when that person called, this person actually called me on the phone and told me, we're going to sue you. We're going to write you up. I'm like, who do you think you are? Come on, man. You couldn't think of a better way to, you couldn't tell me that to my face. And I, again, I hated every moment of that, but I focused on the things that I was already working on. I just happened to be doing that grant writing thing. That time when I was a cashier, I didn't really encounter bullying per se. Yeah, there was some really irate customers I had to put up with, but those of you who work in retail, you know how that goes. What can you do to make yourself valuable? It's difficult. Yes, it's difficult. Very difficult. But putting up with your circumstances would be even more difficult. And having options makes putting up with your circumstances easy because you know you have a way out. You know you have a parachute. That's my point. Workplace bullying, please. I hate it. It's terrible. It makes me want to consider career change. But I've got something else on the back burner. So the last thing I want to talk about is creating your portfolio. Whether it's a personal portfolio or professional portfolio. Now, as a professor, we have this thing called tenure. Basically, it means that it's hard to get fired. I I wouldn't say you couldn't get fired. You have to go out of your way to get fired in a situation like that. And it requires you to create what's called a portfolio. Now, I don't know about other universities. I'm, I'm pretty sure they have the same qualifications in the United States. I don't know about, you know, outside the U.S. But my portfolio was thick. We only could put things in there from the past five years. So everything from 2014, what do I mean by things? I mean, papers you publish, grants that you've gotten, uh, maybe your syllabus certifications, any certificates you have, anything that, that proves that yes, I'm worthy of getting tenure. And I, I bring that story up because one of my students was looking through my portfolio. She said, like, Dr. Williams, this is awesome. I said, girl, if you don't get out of my portfolio and if you're listening, shame on you. But I told them you need to do this for yourself. Let's say if you learned, um, I don't know, C++ or whatever programming language and you have a certificate, put that in there. And again, going back to the articles, let's say if I'd written some articles for that health food store, put them in there. Me being kind of a skeptic, I don't want them to say, well, this is, these are our articles. Shayla didn't write those. I would send them an email and say, Hey, here's a, here's, here's a electronic copy of the articles that I wrote for you. So now, so now if they try to claim those articles, I've got in writing that I said that I did it, right? I, I, I try to think ahead and that comes from dealing with students. You know, so with, when you're dealing with them, you kind of have to think like five steps ahead and, and anticipate any kind of excuse they give you. Dr. Williams, I couldn't come to the test because my alarm clock went off, didn't go off. I said, oh boy, 
how many times have I gotten it? Or how many times aunties and grandmas like to die around exam time? All right, I'm going off on a tangent. Let's get back on this thing. Uh, portfolios. Anything that can that shows that you have the qualification, the qualifications that you say you have, and it puts you in a positive light. And the resume can go right in the front. I would put my resume and some of the grants that I've written. But if 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 I were in that cashier position, I would put again the articles that I wrote, maybe some websites I might have designed. I, I did video editing too at one point, some of the videos and have copies of those. And that way I'm building up a case. Not for keeping my job that couldn't, that can't help, but a case for getting, going somewhere better. And let's say you go somewhere and the situation is just as bad, if not worse, then what? Then you keep going. If you can, if you show you can bring in money that you're going to have a hard time finding a job or you, you can do something that makes money for them. Maybe not grant writing per se, but something that brings the money in a good salesperson, whatever it is. All right. So I just wanted to get this podcast out before the end of the year. I want to focus these last couple of episodes leading up to episode 50 to focus more on some of the things that I talked about. But after episode 50, I'm actually getting together some interviews like suicide. I couldn't talk about suicide. That's why I brought my student on to talk about it. And there's some subjects that I I won't touch a toxic situation. Let's say that there's a child involved, two people who had a child together and there's toxic toxicity there. How do you protect the child? Things like that I cannot talk about. I just don't have the background for it. So I'm bringing in experts to talk about narcissism. I'm bringing experts to talk about toxicity that escalates to abusive situations. That's why I'm going to go radio silent again for the month of January and February. And I will be back in March. And by that time, I will have a load of interviews ready and maybe somewhere between now and March, I will publish those rest of the episodes up to episode 50, but after 50, after episode 50 or maybe 49, 48, it depends on how quickly I get this done. Then I will have more episodes focusing on things that I just am not equipped to talk about. Right. Because I would be doing you a disservice to tell you something that I'm not familiar with. Everything I've spoken to up to this point where it's just me talking, I've experienced for myself and I'm giving you my perspective. I'm not the end all be all, but hopefully someone can take what I talked about and maybe tailor it to your situation. All right. So until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care.